Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. Hello, Growth Point Church. Uh, This is Caesar here, and I just want to take a moment to just thank you for this opportunity to come into your home this week. This is our Tuesday night Bible study. I'm so excited for what God has for us to study tonight. And being in the time that we're in, uh, pastor had reached out to me. He asked me to speak on growing in your faith. Uh, as the times we're living in, there's everything's going on. I know you've been watching the news with COVID, with protesting, with looting and all of that. There is no other time that we need to have faith in God. There is no other time that we need to believe that God is who he says he is. So as we go into our word this this evening, I want you to call somebody. I want you to pause this if you have to call somebody, share this, tell somebody it's time for Bible study. Let's get our Bibles. Let's get our notes and let's get started. So this evening, I want to talk to you about, as I said, growing in your faith. We're going to be found in Mark chapter nine. We're going to go through a couple of verses there in Mark chapter nine. And we're just going to talk about faith. Now, when God gave me this, I didn't understand why he would give me Mark chapter nine as far as a faith uh, scripture, because when we think about faith, we never really think about this particular scripture. However, as I begin to read it and as I begin to look at it, I begin to see exactly what it was that God had for us in this particular text. As we look at this text, what we see, a little background of this text, we see that Jesus is now coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He has been up there. He has been, uh, the the disciples who were with him have seen him uh, transition. And now he's coming down off of that mountain where he left his other disciples at. What we see in this text is, as we begin to look at it, in Mark chapter 14, we find these words recorded. I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to read through it first. We're going to go through and break it down. Hopefully uh, we can get something tonight before we uh, in this Bible study. So let's go. Mark chapter nine, verse 14. I'm reading from the I believe the King James Version. The King James Version uh, says this. It says, and when he came to his disciples, chapter nine, verse 14, Mark chapter nine, verse 14. When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioning them, verse 15, and straightway all the people, uh, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluting him. And he asked the scribes, what questions you have with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son. I have brought unto thee my son, uh, which hath a dumb spirit. Verse 18, and whensoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnashes with his teeth, and uh, penneth away. And I spoke to thy disciples, and that they should cast him out, and they could not. Verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed in foam. And he asked his father, how long is it ago that this has come upon him? And he said, as of a child, verse 22, and oft times he cast him into the fire and unto the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23 says this, Jesus replied to him, if thou canst believe. 
all things are possible for him that believe. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears in his eye, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Let's read that again. And straightway the father, uh, the father cried out with tears in his eyes and said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Verse 25, Jesus saw that the people came running together and rebuked the foul spirit, saying to him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter to him no more. And the spirit cried out and rent him sore and came out of him and was as uh, and he was of dead and so much so that the people said he is dead. Verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Verse 29, and he said unto them, this kind come forth by nothing but fasting and prayer. If I could, for just a few moments tonight, I want to walk through this text and I want to walk through everything that God is telling us in this particular text. And one thing we have to understand is if we're going to live a life of growing faith, the very first thing we do, we must remain connected to our intended target. As we look at the scripture, what we see is we see that that that, that we have to detach ourselves from the this will do mentality. Far too often as a believer in Christ, we settle, I like to call them knockoff blessings. We settle for stuff that looks like what we believe in God for. It may not be the exact thing that we're believing God for, but we settle for it simply because it will do. And oftentimes what happens is the it will do will discourage us more in the long run than just waiting on God. Remember when Abraham and, and or Abram and Sarai were waiting for the promise, what they did was they grabbed uh, that maidservant because the maidservant looked like she would do to make the uh, make the blessing manifest itself. Instead of waiting on God, they created so much trouble, even to the point that we're still battling that thing today. They created so much stuff trying to help God out with a knockoff blessing besides instead of just waiting for the very thing that God said he would do. As we look at this text, we see in verse number uh, 17, it says, and one of the multitude, this is the father of the son speaking uh, to Jesus. It says, and one of the multitude answered and said, master, I have brought my son unto thee. When he set out from his house to get to Jesus, what he decided was, I'm going to take my son to Jesus. Jesus was his focus. Jesus was the one he was looking for. Jesus was the one that he was taking his son to. However, when he got on the scene, he realized that Jesus wasn't there. Have you ever believed God for something, but when you got on the scene, you realized the very thing that you've been looking for wasn't there. So what happened was instead of the man just waiting for Jesus, waiting for his intended target, waiting for the one he knew that could deliver his son, what happened was he put his faith in the disciples who were there. Verse 18 says, I brought my, my, I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't cast out the thing that was inside of my son. You see, he settled for a this will do situation. He got there and Jesus wasn't nowhere around or Jesus wasn't there to be seen. So he said, well, these disciples who walk with him must be as good enough as Jesus. 
And one thing that we got to understand about the disciples in this particular moment is that the disciples acted upon what they seen Jesus do. And if I'm going to have faith, I cannot act on what I've seen Jesus do. I have to act on what I've experienced Jesus to do. You see, because many people have saw the blessing in your life. Many people have saw you do it, but they have not experienced it with you. There's a saying out right now that says, you want my glory, but you don't know my story. You see, because when you have the story, you the glory comes almost automatically because you've been through things with Jesus. You've been through things with the master and you've experienced it with them. Some of these disciples just saw Jesus do it and tried to mimic him. That's good right there, because our faith cannot be built on something that we're trying to mimic. But our faith has to be built on something that we've learned through experience. The disciples tried to cast out the spirit, but yet they couldn't do it. So the father, he's now frustrated. I don't know if you've ever been there where you've been frustrated, where you've trusted God for something. You've trusted God for a very thing, but because you had made a decision that I'm going to accept that this is good enough, you become frustrated with God. This is where we find this father. As Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he instantly enters into this crowd who's going in on the disciples. Have you ever done something with good intentions, but the good intentions didn't result in the right reward? And what has happened is the crowd has now turned against the disciples because Jesus didn't do what he said he would do. But the problem was Jesus wasn't even there. They put their trust and they put their faith in something that did not have the power to do what they were requesting to do. But thank God in the midst of that, Jesus steps on the scene. Jesus performed deliverance for the disciples and they didn't even know it because the crowd was ready to take them. But yet Jesus, the very one in which they came for, stepped on the scene. Verse 18 says that I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't bring him out. The father is now in the midst of frustration. He's not he's not operating from faith. He's operating from his own frustration. Both Jesus exposes the unfaithfulness or the lack of faith in both the father and the son with one word. He says, oh, faithless generation. I don't want to be there when God calls us a faithless generation. Because unfortunately, we live in a time and a day of age where we we are more concerned with the church house than we are with what God is doing in our own lives. You see, as when when COVID-19 stepped on the scene and I don't believe that that was an attack from the enemy. I do believe that God was in the midst of it. I do believe that God was in that that process. It, it, I'm not going to say I don't believe it was an attack from the enemy. I'm going to say that I don't believe that the enemy will get glory for it. Because I believe that God was in the midst of it because during that time we saw that more people had faith in the house of God than they did God himself. You see, there were people protesting and there were people upset and there were people suing their government because they could not come into the church house. But 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 one thing I learned early on in my walk with God, that my, my relationship with God is not predicated on me sitting in the pew of a building. You see, because when I look at a church, all I see uh, when I look at the church, what I see is I see a group of believers who still trust God. But when I look at the church building, all I see is a piece of real estate. Let me tell you something. We used to have a church in Cincinnati, Ohio 
on Dorchester Avenue. We used to have a church building on Dorchester Avenue. It was a church for many, many years. It was a church building for many, many years, 45, 50 years. We had it for a little over a year. Uh, it, it had leaks and it had mold and it had rot and all this stuff. And, and, and it's amazing to me how many people equate uh, that building with God because, because my God doesn't have leaks and mold and all that. The building was falling apart. But I tell you that to tell you this, when we departed from that building, somebody bought that building. And although it was a church for many, many years, it was a place to house the church for many, many years. To this day right now, somebody bought it and turned it into a photography studio. You got to understand that the building has no power. The power comes from the faith that we have in Jesus. And as we look at this particular text, what we see is the, the father thought that if I bring up to somebody who's been connected to Jesus, obviously they got the same power as the one who they're connected to. It doesn't mean that they do just because the building uh, is, is connected to the people of God. Doesn't mean that the building has power. You see, we live in a day and age where we put more trust in being in the building than we do of getting on our knees and calling on the name of the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I got faith in you. God, even if the building burns down, even if they tear the building down, God, I've got faith in you. My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. You got to understand that, that, that my hope is in him. My hope is not in the this will do blessing. We have to get ourselves out of the mindset of close enough. When I was coming up, they used to say, fake it till you make it. Some of us have never made it because we got so caught up on faking it. You see, we, 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 we fake the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't come to make you run. The Holy Ghost doesn't come to make you, oh, quicken. You see, that's the church I grew up in. The evidence of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is not speaking in tongues. That is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, but that is not the evidence of the Holy Ghost. The evidence of the Holy Ghost is found in the book of Acts in the first chapter. It says, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. That's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. When you have power, how do you receive power? You've got to have the faith to believe that God is God. You've got to have the faith to believe that he is who he says he is. That's how you have power. That's where your power comes from in the faith that Jesus is God. As we look at this particular text, I don't know why I went on that down that rabbit trail, but I'm going to come on back. But as we look at this particular text, we got to see the disciples hadn't learned the power comes from the Holy Ghost. The power comes from Jesus. The power doesn't come from watching Jesus. The power comes from the relationship with Jesus. And they tried it, but it didn't work. But those kind of atmospheres can wreck my faith. Those kind of atmospheres can, 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 can destroy my faith when I think that I know how to do it. But I can't. And I tried it. And God didn't honor my foolishness. I tried it. But God didn't honor the thing that I was trying. And now my faith is being wrecked. If we're going to walk with God, we can't try it. We've got to know it. We can't try to make God move because I'm now in the spotlight. We've got to know that we can move even if I'm not in the spotlight. I got to know that God moves even when I'm in my closet. I've got to know when God moves even when I'm not in the church house. I've got to know that God moves even when Jesus isn't on the scene. We cannot depart from our focus. And our focus has to always be Jesus. If we're going to grow in our faith, we have to maintain our focus on Jesus. Point number two, if we're going to grow in our faith, we must not let a crisis overtake us. 
You see, we live in a day and age right now where we are in a state of crisis. It seems like everything is going bad. Our, our, our businesses are closing. Businesses are fighting for their lives. It seems like the churches are closing. It seems like, 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 like finances are not working. And then all of a sudden, you throw police brutality and racism in on it. And then, and then now we're looking at a, a worldwide pandemic disease. And, and I'm going to tell you, the real worldwide pandemic disease is manifesting itself in the body of believers and it is called unfaith the reason why a lot of stuff is going on is because the church hadn't prayed anymore because we don't believe that God is still able to do it because the Bible says if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves pray seek my face turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven the, the hearing from heaven is all predicated on the people praying we got to have faith that God can still do it even when the manifestation hadn't stepped out yet. Does this father still have the faith? Does this father still believe? He's frustrated that the disciples couldn't do it, but it wasn't the disciples that you were looking for. It was Jesus that you was looking for because you said in it, because in the word it says that I brought my son to thee. But because I couldn't find thee, I put my trust in those who look like you. That's where our faith gets challenged. And we start trusting in things that ain't God. If you're going to grow in your faith, you can't let the crisis overtake you. The father was at a point of desperation. And it, what it does is he says, oh, faith, Jesus says, oh, faithful, gener faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And they brought unto him the son and, and they said straight away the spirit tore him. And he said to the father, how long has this been? Verse 22. Verse 22, right through the middle of it, he says, but after everything he told Jesus that this spirit did, after everything he told Jesus that this demonic spirit did, he said, but he begins to transition. He says, if thou can do us anything. And as we look at this text, as we look at that, everything in this text hangs on that one sentence because he says, but... No matter what the disciples did, no matter what the ones who looked like you did, no matter what the ones who, 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 who professed you did, no matter what has happened up until now, no matter if my son has been possessed, no matter if the demon is currently throwing him on the ground, he says, but he transitions when it looks like he transitions into faith, but he transitions, he stays in his own doubt. How do I know he stays in his own doubt? Because he didn't say, but you have the power to do it. He didn't say, but will you please do it? He said, if you can. And as we look at faith, faith doesn't operate by ifs. Because if is a question word. He says, if you can do anything. The father didn't rest upon that Jesus could do it. He began to question Jesus's authority. Because if we look at Matthew 4, he took the same route as the demonic spirit that was in his child. Because in Matthew 4, it says that Jesus was taken up to a high place. And the enemy says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. If you are the son of God, the enemy was trying to get him to identify himself so he knew exactly who he was. Check this out. The father said the same thing. If you can do it, have mercy on me. 
But I love what Jesus says. Jesus takes it and he turns it right back around in verse 23. It says, Jesus said unto him, he didn't say, he didn't say, uh, yeah, bro, I can do this. He didn't say, I got you, dog. He didn't say all that. He said he turned it right back around on the father. The father said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Jesus says, if you can believe. It wasn't about if Jesus had the power. It was about, do you have the faith that Jesus can do it? Jesus, in this moment, he sets the son's deliverance right at the feet of the father. Jesus originally said, oh, faithless generation, how long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to suffer with you? Essentially, what Jesus was saying is, when will you get this? That you have the very same power to do it that I do. How do you know? Because he said in his word, greater work shall you do. He says, if you can do it, as a question to say, if you got the power or you don't, let me know, can you or can you not do this thing? Jesus says, if you have the belief, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. So when I look at faith, my faith is wrapped around in what I believe. My, my, my spiritual father, my pastor, uh, who who or who licensed me originally uh, the Reverend Dr. Jerome Anthony Barber of the Six Mount Zion Baptist Church in Hampton, Virginia I know that's a shameless plug, but 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 he used to say I don't even know where I was going there He used to say he used to say this. He says we can believe God to heal cancer But we can't believe God to get us to the next level We we have faith for the big things because because that's that's one of the cliches of the church. He can heal your cancer. He can go home and I, I got tired of sitting in services where the preacher would say, uh, if you give five hundred dollars, you go home and check your mailbox. There's gonna be a thousand dollar check. God gonna double your blessing. And, and the revival's going on at seven o'clock at night. Mail don't run until the morning. He's given us false hope. But Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible to him that believe. That means. That even when Jesus isn't on the scene, if my faith is connected, if I can believe that he can do it enough, I can grow in my faith. You don't have to wait for Jesus to come down like a mighty Russian wind. When you're laying by your bedside and you're praying, if you believe that God can do it, you need to get up off your knees like it's already done. Even if I don't see the manifestation of it, even if I don't even see it growing, even if I don't even see it happening, even if it looks like it gets worse, I still have to believe there's a there's a plant. There's a plant. When I learned to garden, when I learned how to garden there, I was looking, dabbling in bamboo planting and all of that stuff. And they say when you plant bamboo, what you literally have to do is you have to mark the ground because the first year the bamboo does absolutely nothing. The second year, the bamboo does absolutely nothing. The third year, it does absolutely nothing. And I don't know about you, but if I believe, believe in God for, for, for three years for bamboo in my yard, and it does absolutely, this is why it's so expensive when you go to buy the stuff, because I said, I'm gonna just buy it, somebody else put it in the work. But anyway, I said, I said, this is why it's so expensive when you buy the stuff, because it takes so long to mature. But, but, but for the first three years, first couple years, I don't know if it's exactly three, I know it's the first couple years, you see absolutely nothing. And the thing about faith is you can put something in the ground and you can believe it, but you may not see absolutely nothing. 
I don't know about you, but I've, I've had faith for something and, and, and I've had to wait. Can you endure the waiting process? Because just like the bamboo, what you have to understand is they mark the ground because when it does grow, it shoots 16 feet up in the air. And everybody celebrates this great bamboo. But what they don't realize is that for the first couple years when you see absolutely nothing, it is going down deep and it is taking deep roots because it knows that if I shoot 16 feet up in the air and I'm not rooted yet, I cannot stand when the winds of life come. And what you have to understand about faith is faith is just like that bamboo tree. If you're going to see the manifestation of the thing, first thing is it's got to grow deep down inside of your spirit. Because if it doesn't grow deep and it connects to my spirit, when it shoots up, I'll lose it because I don't have I didn't have the faith that I need. I didn't have the foundation or the root and the faith that I needed to maintain it. How am I going to grow in my faith? I've got to trust God. Even when I don't believe them. What do you mean? The Bible says, Jesus says, if you believe, all things come to those that believe. And I love what verse 24 says. It says in verse 24, it says, the father said unto him with tears in his eyes, Lord, I believe. And he didn't stop there. He said, but help thou my unbelief. If you're going to grow in faith, the next thing you got to do is acknowledge where you, where you have unbelief at. I cannot have faith and belief commingled together. I cannot have faith and unbelief commingled together and still get the result that I'm expecting from God. Maybe the son didn't get delivered because of the unbelief that the father has. When he's in, it's, it's amazing. When hell is at your door, You'll believe anything. The father is watching his son be possessed. The father is watching his son come under demonic oppression. The father is watching his son not get delivered from the disciples. The father is watching the crowd. The father is watching the scribes. The father is watching the disciples. The father, all the attention is on the father and his son. And the father is not getting what he desires. Jesus says, if you believe all things are possible, the father has a little bit of faith in him. But he also realizes that he has some unbelief. If you're going to grow in your faith, you've got to acknowledge where you're struggling. Too many times in church, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. You know you're not blessed. But it's a, it's, it's a colloquialism of the church that I got to say these things because if not, I start to fall. And I'm not going to say that you're not blessed. You wake up in the morning, you're blessed. But you know that there are some things that you're believing God for that you're struggling with. And if I'm going to walk in the presence of God, I've got to lay all of that at the feet of Jesus. I cannot walk into the presence of God with doubt and not acknowledge it and let Jesus heal that thing. For the Bible says, after the father says, help my unbelief. I love what this text says. It says in verse 25, in verse 20, okay, let's go back to verse 14. It says, and he came to his disciples. Let me find this. It says, okay, verse 17. It says this. And one of the multitude answered, said, Master, I brought my son unto thee, uh, which has a dumb spirit. He said, the father said, he has acknowledged what the son has. 
But when Jesus, after he acknowledges that I've got faith, but help my unfaith, I got belief, but help my unbelief, the father acknowledges, uh, Jesus turns to the son and he says, thou deaf and dumb spirit. The father knew about the dumb spirit. He didn't know about the deaf spirit. This is good right here. Maybe the disciples couldn't deliver him because they had faith for the dumb spirit to come out, but the spiritual side of the son couldn't hear it because they weren't speaking to the deaf spirit. You see, Jesus didn't speak to the dumb spirit first. He spoke to the deaf spirit first because there are some things that we cannot hear because we have faith for one thing, but don't understand that it's connected to something else. And if we don't deal with the deaf spirit, the deaf spirit is a spirit of not being able to hear the thing that God is trying to do in your life. Jesus couldn't get the dumb spirit out without first talking to the deaf spirit. The deaf spirit could have stayed there if the father didn't believe that God had all power, all power and could do all things possible. When Jesus steps on the scene, Jesus speaks to every single thing we're going through. And if he knows that there's some stuff inside of us that we're hiding, his hands are tied. In the book of Genesis, he gave us dominion over the earth. He transitioned the power in the earth to man. He says, I'm going to let you name everything. I'm going to give you everything. And then you take dominion. You take, you take dominion over it. He cannot move until we acknowledge his power. There's a lot of stuff that we're believing God for. And there's a lot of stuff that we're trusting God for. But we haven't dealt with the very thing that's blocking him from moving in our life. If the father didn't say, I got some unbelief in me, Jesus' hands could have been tied. The son didn't get delivered until Jesus dealt with the, uh, the deaf and the dumb spirit. Because it says as soon as Jesus spoke to him, the spirit cried out. And I love, I love if, you don't, if, if, you, if you're a Bible reader and you see in your Bible that words are italicized, it means that they were added in order for uh, the word to flow better in the translation. Or there was a word that they could not translate and they had to add that in order for the sentence to flow. And I love what it says. It says, the spirit cried out, which means the very thing that was inside of him began to cry out because Jesus has now connected to the thing that the disciples couldn't get to. Because Jesus talked to the thing that was stopping the disciples from getting to it. And it said it cried out and it rent him sore. I'm in verse 26, uh, Matthew 9, verse 20, uh, Mark 9, verse 26. It says, Matthew, Mark 9, verse 26. Amen. It says, and the spirit cried out and rent him sore and it came out of him. And it was as if he was dead. In so much so that the people said he was dead. Understand this, if you're going to grow in your faith, you got to remain in faith when things look like they're worse. I'm going to say that again. You've got to remain in faith when things look like they've gotten worse. I don't know about you, but I'm human and I'm real and, and, I, and I struggle sometimes and I, I believe God at times and then I struggle at other times. I, I trust God at times and I, I don't trust him at times. I, I, I wait on God at times and then I run ahead of God at times. But, but, but what do you do when you brought your son? Because all of us have a son. All of us have something that we are bringing to Jesus. What do you do 
When you brought your son, you brought your only son. You brought the, the Bible doesn't say he's the only son, but, but say he's like, he's like Isaac. He's the only son. What do you do when you brought your son to Jesus? And it seems like the very thing I wanted him to be delivered from. I didn't want him to be delivered and die. I wanted him to be delivered and brought home. But when Jesus spoke to it, it said he looked like it was dead. What do you do when things get, look like they got worse? Still trusting God. What do you do when the very thing that I prayed about doesn't seem like it worked? Uh, he may have been delivered, but he, 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 now he's dead. What, what do you do? Still trusting God. Because it says that even in this moment, Jesus reached down. He grabs his son by the hand and he lifts him up. Which lets me know that if he's sitting at the right hand of the father, he can still reach down, grab us by the hand and lift us up. We just got to have faith to believe that he can still do it. We've got to have the faith to believe that all things are possible. We've got to have the faith to believe that Jesus has the power. And this is the last thing I'm going to give you today. If we're going to grow in our faith, we must have the proper preparation. If we're going to grow in our faith, we must have the proper preparation. Because if we look at the story, the story completely focuses on the father. But when Jesus came down out of the mountain, we cannot negate the fact that the disciples didn't have the power to deliver the son. Because it says in verse number 28 and 29, it says this. And when he had come into the house, his disciples came unto him privately. They didn't do this publicly. They came unto him privately and says, why could we not cast him out? Jesus responded to them and said, this kind can come forth by nothing more than prayer and fasting. The disciples tried to deliver this boy, but the disciples weren't equipped to deliver this boy. Check this out. If you're going to grow in your faith, you must have prayer and fasting involved in your life. Because in prayer and fasting, it draws us closer to God. It draws us closer to, to, to the very thing that he desires of us. It draws us closer to the relationship of his power. There are some things that you can come to me and tell me about my wife. That I know my wife so well that I can hear something about her. I can hear somebody talking about her and say, you lying. That ain't her. She ain't did that. She ain't said that. She ain't went there with you. Because I know my wife. Why? Because we've been in relationship. Ten years, nine months in November. We've been in relationship. That's where we've been. Ten years of marriage in November, nine months of knowing each other. Yes, we got married less than a year. But look, one thing about that is because we've been in relationship. And if I'm going to be in a relationship with Jesus, I can do it through prayer and I can do it through fasting. And it grows my relationship with him to where I can now tap into his power. The disciples had been walking with Jesus, but Jesus essentially said, you haven't tapped into my power. He says, this kind come out through fasting and prayer. Our faith grows when we get closer to Jesus. Our faith grows when we have the proper tools. Our faith grows when we begin to see his glory. And check this out. As I close here, one thing I got to tell you. Lastly, did you notice in the scripture? It says, this time comes forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. This kind comes forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Take, take you what I'm saying. This kind comes forth by nothing 
but prayer and fasting. Essentially what Jesus is telling us, there are different demonic forces that have to come out different ways. Don't put your belief in one way of Jesus moving. I grew up in a church where it had to be a certain way or the God wasn't in it. God is the God of everything. And in our times of prayer, in our times of fasting, this is when God gives us the direction to operate in the spirit of deliverance. I come up in the church where we used to have deliverance services and they say, open a window because when somebody got delivered, that spirit had to go. Uh, the Bible says that when he came into the graveyard, he found one and he was possessed with a spirit. And it said, the spirit said to him, he says, don't send us. It is not our time yet. So when Jesus cast them out, he cast them into the swine. So check this out. Spirits cannot operate without a body. So we would open up a window and say, cast it out. Because if you didn't, stuff would just jump on everybody else and we'd be there all night. But check this out. There are some things that only come through prayer, come out through prayer and fasting. They wouldn't have known this if they had not had a private time with Jesus to understand this. How are you gonna grow in your faith? Spend private time with Jesus. Trust him, maintain your focus. Do not settle for this is enough blessing. Do not settle, Don't, do not let your crisis overtake you. Stay connected to him and watch God show you his glory. So as we end this Bible study tonight or this Bible time tonight, I don't necessarily call it a study. I, I try to maintain myself from getting real excited. But check this out. As we look at this particular text tonight, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're dealing with. But acknowledge that place of unbelief and let God heal that in you that you may see his glory at the end of it all. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.